This episode discusses topics around mental health that might disturb some listeners. If you are affected, please contact your nearest medical support immediately. For Australian listeners, you can contact Lifeline on 131114. Oh, hi everyone. Welcome to Mind Tuning, a podcast which explores the link between mental health and music. My name is Martina. And I am Will. And today we're going to talk about a favorite song of ours called Hysteria by Def Leppard. So Hysteria on the album Hysteria by Def Leppard, released in uh, 1987, as mentioned, is, is one of our favorite songs Will and I have spent an embarrassing amount of money in jukebox playing that song, um, and I'm sure have made enemies along the way. <laughs> and and so we want to explore how this song may have impacted uh, people, certainly us, uh, from a mental health point of view. I think it's a series. It's a classic power ballad uh, that was so common in the '80s. Lyrics were quite simple, conveyed little, uh, but it's all in the melody. It's all in the the sound. I, for one, in 1987, when it came out as a child in, in Montreal, Canada, speaking no English at all, remember listening to that song, understanding no lyric, and yet knowing that it had to do with passion and love. It had to be something with powerful emotions Yeah, it's funny in that regard. I think it is a song that sounds emotional with or without the lyrics. You can come to these songs because of mental health afflictions or issues and you can find solace in listening to music like this, but also you can listen to it in a perfectly serene state and find yourself in a different mental state after having listened to the song. So that's part of the duality of, uh, of this. I would even actually add a third layer to that where... That kind of emotion can be both elating if it is reciprocated, uh, but also absolutely crushing if it's not reciprocated. Yeah. Uh, and therefore, listening to the same song, if you're already elated, can lift your spirit. But if, if, you're, if you're down, then it just brings you down even more. It just sort of... Uh, um, it brings you down, but it brings you down, doesn't it, in a place that's comfortable. There's something about that emotional and therefore that mental position that you might find yourself in when you listen to this song on your own, that it's almost like picking a scab. Um, there's some macabre pleasure in, in doing so. Yeah, absolutely. Very masochistic activity that I'm, I'm sure most people have partaken in, which is, you know, wallowing in your own feelings and just letting the music exacerbate or, or exaggerate those feelings, maybe. Yeah. And then you were talking about how you might be in neither of those moods, but just listening to that song might trigger some emotions in you, especially if you listen to it 
for example, like we're doing now 35 years later, it will take you back to times in your life when you listen to that song and it will bring back those emotions that you were feeling at the time. Well, one of my favorite memories of this song is connected to the video clip and the video clip has a lot of suburban imagery. You know, I didn't grow up in the burbs. I grew up further out of town than that. But through songs like that, I was connected with the notion of city and what it meant to be uh, mentally and emotionally connected to a city. And I remember being in Montreal with you, actually, and driving around the suburbs of Montreal listening to this song. And there was something eerily similar about the landscape through which we were driving and the the imagery in the song itself, in the video clip, sorry, itself, uh, which was perfect. And, and that engendered a whole emotional response in me and a whole set of reflections about where I was then versus where I was uh, back in the 80s, let's say. And I think that's why we've had such a good friendship as well Is there's something about these songs which connects me to something that I'm quite nostalgic about. And uh, it's not always something that feels good, but it's definitely something that in th- with this song, I think it's always rewarding. Yes. I remember reading something about nostalgia, uh, how nostalgia is always that bittersweet feeling or emotion where you look back sort of in sadness about a time that was actually or seems to have been better than now. Mm. Even in the personalities in, the, in this band, the, the musicians themselves, when, when I've seen them interviewed and when they've spoken about this song in this period recording, it was such a tumultuous period for the band. The drummer, had, Rick Allen, had just lost his arm in a car accident. It was likely the band wasn't going to go on. The emotional and mental tumult around this time for these people and for that to then spit itself out in the collection of songs on the hysteria of the album, but particularly, I think, in, in this song, means There is something else there at play rather than just an expression of someone... Uh, being in love with someone, let's say, and being hysterical about it, which is one of the the straightforward interpretations of this song. It's amazing that you bring this up because I, I also explored this aspect of the song, how the lyrics are actually uh, relatively vague. And it's, again, as I mentioned earlier, it's the music that makes it a love song, not so much the lyrics. And, yeah. and I was thinking that, uh, um, you know, the lyrics talk about a certain obsession about something or someone and this could be a serial killer this could be um <laughs> anger or or bitterness or resentment there could be a lot more negative emotions associated to those very same lyrics and i thought it would be very interesting to have these lyrics uh, uh or, or that that song covered by say Metallica from the days mm. of Kill 'Em All yeah, yeah. for something very angry and very yeah. aggressive, yeah. or by Pearl Jam from the from the, right. the, the times yeah. of Ten, yeah. uh, where it's it's a bit more like the tortured soul with so much emotional baggage yeah. and, and you know sort of obsessing about a thing or a place or a time, and the very same lyrics would convey a completely different message. In that regard, where this song could possibly go in terms of our interpretations of it and how it relates to the mind, 
I was reading an account of it from Phil Cohen, the guitarist, and he was saying that, sure, one part of it is the interpretation of this obsession, this emotional obsession and the mental affliction that comes with that kind of obsession. But then he said, as the band started to get to know the song, it's one of those great cases of the artist getting to know the artistic product once it's manifested rather than when they created it. And he said that it became more about this spiritual experience for the band where you were hysterical if you became invested in the meaning of something. So it wasn't necessarily like the, uh, the meaning of a relationship or the meaning of love or whatever the straightforward interpretation is, but rather this sense of investment in something meaningful and something spiritually meaningful, whatever that means. But there are moments in the lyrics where we see that the, the rather hard to define otherwise phrase, uh, magical mysteria. Um, lends itself to this kind of interpretation, as does the idea of there being some kind of miracle at play uh, in the song lyrics. I I took notes about uh, specifically that word, Mysteria. Mm -hmm. And basically that was me sort of deconstructing the lyrics really and being utterly unimpressed by them in general, (laughs) as, you know, often happens for music of the 80s, uh, especially Paraballads. So I, I googled Mysteria, and found very little. Wiktionary says it's the plural of mysterium. So I then Googled mysterium. (laughs) And there wasn't much. Wiktionary, again, tells us that mysterium is, listen to this, any of various unknown elements thought to make up existing forms of matter or a substance seen as an element of pure form, or, sorry, an element or pure form of something else. That's right. Definition one of Mysterium. Definition two, the hypothetical source of a galactic radio emission at 1665 megahertz, which was later identified as due to hydroxyl radicals in interstellar this, space. This sounds very deflated. <laughs> <laughs> right, I find it fits right there with the, the message that we're trying to convey. If we go back to Mysteria, Urban Dictionary had way more A much more reliable source. Mm, much more indeed. Uh, Urban Dictionary had three uh, definitions for Mysteria. First one is a portmanteau between hysteria and mystery, which mm-hmm. potentially yeah, would enough. work better yeah. here in this case. But then again, a magical Mysteria um, then uh, definition number two was a mysterious disease right, from right, Urban right. Dictionary. And the final one uh, was to go half-cocked to solve a problem by ignoring it. Right, okay. My hypothesis about mysteria, the meaning of, is actually, the word is actually just mystery. And when singing it, they just elongated <laughs> the, the final vowel into sort of a yeah kind of thing. So it's such a magical mystery. Mystery, yeah. So I, I, for some reason, yeah, I, I got stuck on Mysteria yeah. when I started reading the lyrics properly without the music, without the emotional, the emotions that the music bring, um, and just wanted to look at it from a very uh, uh, clinical lens and just look at the, the lyrics. Well, I like that. 
that tendency to want to look at it clinically because that's part of if we do default to the the street interpretation of hysteria which is of being out of control of being obsessed of feeling this great love and there is that tendency to want to clinically control the experience to want to reduce it to an object that is under your control and you don't want it to be mysterious actually and i guess with hysteria the song it's playing with both those senses in in some regard because the mysteria seems to be something they're celebrating it's like a magical mysteria you know that you can believe in they mention as well and there's a there's a jubilant tone to it but then there's also a really bittersweet tone to it where it, it is something that they can't shackle and, and indeed they are they are shackled by it they're in its throes they can't stop this feeling they can't stop this fire they what's going on is beyond their control they're just they're 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 in it now And so I like that, that, that sense of like, what do we do with the desire in a secular world um, where we are used to being able to control things scientifically or rationally? What do we do with experiences that we can't control? And what are the effects of that on our mental health? Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's where people have used music to cope with all these feelings that we otherwise don't know how to cope with that we don't know how to control and really I don't know that there is such a thing as controlling feelings or emotions there's just how you respond to those emotions and how how you choose to to express them or sometimes you don't even choose how you express them it just comes out I am also interested in the way that the lyrics in this song they're talking about uh, obsession in one regard they're talking about uh, being overcome by this 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 experience, this feeling, and this, it's almost like proximity to someone else or to the other or whatever it might be. That proximity makes things worse for the subject of the song. It's there's plenty of lines in it. I think when they say, "Indeed, hysteria only occurs when you're near," when you're near. and so I would expect in a lot of pop songs. For there to be then the the follow-up which says i've got to stay away from you i've got to look after myself i can't see you all of those kinds of responses but death leopard don't really ever go into those themes in this song so i think are they celebrate the hysteria in a way when they do recognize that the hysteria is more likely to occur through proximity they don't fight it they're just like i'm in it and it's almost like that's what the band is about Look at when the drummer Rick Allen lost his arm. The band could have gone on without him, which would to some people have seemed to have been the more rational or sensible decision. It definitely would have appeared to have been the safer and apparently self-preserving position for the band. But instead, they decided to keep him in the band and to remain loyal to someone to whom they had an emotional attachment. And more importantly, they decided to remain embedded within the hysteria of the moment, to not shield themselves from it by installing a distance between themselves and the hysteric moment, but rather to define themselves by that very hysteria. Oh, absolutely. And, and I think for me, this, this, it's funny that, that you mention how uh, a, a more sensible or, or reaction would be to pull away from it, whereas... 
I completely relate to that song. I am easily consumed by my emotions and I'm just like 100% in them. Thankfully, with age, I've, I've learned to <laughs> process them better, but my reaction was never to try and walk away from it or pull away right, from right. it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, whether it, it's positive or negative emotions or whether it's, you know, love or rage or anger or whatever it is, I'm just fully immersed. And so, yeah, to me, that was completely relatable. I wish I could remember the first time I heard it. I remember around the time it was late 80s and I was in primary school and I loved Bon Jovi and... It was all part of that. Obviously, these songs would have been on in Australia Rage in other jurisdictions on MTV or those kinds of... That's where I yeah. saw it first. When I was a kid, we uh, back in the day when cable TV was an actual cable connected uh, outside <laughs> of the house to the whatever it was that, that brought cable into your house. And it was you could easily steal, quote-unquote, cable. By just unplugging the cable from the neighbour or...? Yeah, or by plugging it to the box. It was a box for the whole block, for example. Oh, right. Okay. Um, and then you would just huh. buy a cable and, and plug it into huh. the box outside uh, and connect it to your TV. And that's Amazing. how you got cable. And so we, we had illegal cable as a child. And, and I remember hours of MTV we watched for the Canadian version, much music, and eventually the... They came up with a French version, but that that's where I heard history. Yeah. 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 One other point I think we can talk about regarding the actual title of the song and indeed the album from which it comes is this word hysteria, which according to dictionary definitions refers to like an excess of mental phenomena or an excess of uh, emotional phenomena. So, you know, you're overcome mentally by something or emotionally by something. And we should note that here there is a connection with conventional interpretations of hysteria, which particularly in the 80s was associated much more heavily with something that women were afflicted by than men. And, you know, anytime you go and study a liberal arts degree or anything of its like, you're told about the etymology of hysteria being an uh, ancient Greek word that refers to the uterus, the stem hysteria. And from that, we get the association of women, quite unfairly, with uh, this state of being out of control. And I think it's quite notable that Def Leppard, a bunch of guys who, despite dressing up in spandex and having their uh, hair sprayed and everything, they were alpha males in the 80s. Their, John Bon Jovi was, they were, Axl Rose was. This was one form of the alpha male. And yet with Def Leppard, they're owning hysteria and they're owning... They're only an experience which in a, in a quite sexist culture was attributing an hysteric state only to women. And whether they knew they were doing it or not, there's some kind of intervention going on there where they're saying, we're men, we're alpha males, we feel this way. And look, anecdotally, empirically, I would say I know many more hysterical men than women. So I think the whole sexist trope about hysterical women is bullshit, but I, I think for them to do it in the 80s is much more notable than for me to say it now when that kind of intervention has already occurred. Yes, we, we talk about this now and, and it might be interesting to explore 
other lyrics from Def Leppard to see if there was indeed feminism overtly or sometimes, you know, just a little hint. Yeah, you know, they're from Sheffield. It's a very working class area. They were probably hanging around with lads their age who are into football. I don't know how comfortable people were, men in particular, about talking about mental health. Um, I don't know how comfortable two guys down the pub would have been to say to each other, actually, I'm hysterical about this thing. I dare say they wouldn't have. So for them to go on stage and say to thousands of people every night, to put it on TV, to make it the name of their album, that's something. That said, I think like the power ballads had to be overly cheesy, overly... Yeah. It it was just a formula at the time. It was always about extreme emotions, about passion and love, which would otherwise... You would never expect these men to declare. No. (laughs) 